Hello and welcome to another episode of Castings the Fire Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Sherry. And we are back to Fellowship at the Ring. Um, we already covered the prologue in a previous episode. Actually, um, as I've said, I covered it with Sam also. So there's two versions of that you can go and listen to. And now we are on to Chapter 1, A Long-Expected Party. Um, so this is uh, the chapter when Bilbo, the same Bilbo Baggins that uh, went on the adventure to Smog's Mountain in The Hobbit. About 60 years earlier. Yes, he is um, going to be celebrating his 111th or 111st birthday. And the chapter begins with, uh, he's announcing it, he's going to have a party of special magnificence, it's the talk of Hobbiton, and uh, Bilbo was very rich and very peculiar, you know, well, he's rich not only from being old money, but from the gold he brought back from the dragon's lair, and... The fact that he traveled at all means he was peculiar, but he was also into like writing his book and talking with Gandalf and you know otherwise weird by Hobbit standards. Uh. Yeah, it says he's been the wonder of the Shire since his uh, disappearance and um, unexpected return and his riches. Um, were a local legend, and it was popularly believed that the hill at Bag End was full of tunnels stuffed with treasure, which, as it happens, is not true. He only brought back two chests of it. Well, when, yeah, and people, there are people that still remembered that, but um, they, you know, they, the people of Hobbiton, certainly have had rumors uh, Hobbiton is known for its rumors and you know things like that and so like like a fisherman's tale yeah everyone goes gossips at the pub oh yeah mm-hmm. B- bilbo he's he's weird he 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 adventures he must have tunnel stuff with treasure <laughs> and he also you know, was living to a very great age and not outwardly aging that much, so... Though they did finally say he was well-preserved. At 99. Which means that he wasn't so different from how he was at 50. And so there he was both being rich and not seeming to age all that much, which, you know, they're like, that's not fair, that's not natural, trouble will come of it. Yeah, they were saying that at 90, he was much the same as 50. I would love that. I would love to be... uh, I'm not even (laughs) the same as I was at 50 now, and I'm far from 99. But that would be nice. So far, Mr. Baggins hasn't had the trouble... And um, he was generous with his money, so people forgave him some of his uh, oddity. And he remained on visiting terms with his relatives, except, of course, the Sackville Bagginses. 
and he had many uh, devoted admirers among hobbits of poor and unimportant families, but he didn't have um, any close friends until some of his younger cousins began to grow up. And um, one of these was Frodo Baggins. He was the eldest of the younger cousins. And when Bilbo was 99, he adopted Frodo as his heir because he didn't have any kids himself, and um, Frodo was an orphan. Um, yeah, Frodo's parents had drowned. Now, we already uh, I discussed on one of our podcasts how they're related. He's a second cousin. Right. I mean, you'll see various memes about Uncle Bilbo, but he is technically not his uncle. Right. And he has the same birthday, September 22nd. So it's like, oh yes, come live with me, Frodo. We can celebrate our birthdays together. And um, Frodo was still in his uh, tweens, as they call it, meaning he's in his 20s. That's still irresponsible um, age. And But finally, he's going to come of age at 33, the same day that Bilbo becomes 111. But there were 12 years in between adopting Bilbo, I mean, adopting Frodo and, and, and the this birthday. party, yes. Yeah. So they, they had, you know, a bunch of birthdays together. And so Bilbo's going to be 111, a, va- a rather curious number, as Tolkien puts it, and a very respectable age for a hobbit. Now, I don't know whether... This almost seems like a numerology sort of thing, but I don't know if Tolkien was really into that. Well, I know. Well, we'll get into that a little later. Well, one, one, one. It's the same uh, three numbers in a row. And oh, the the old Took himself had only reached a hundred and thirty, only. Well, Bilbo still got a ways. If you uh, hear anything weird, it's the dog chewing on. Uh, she, she has uh, some kind of a chew thing, and she's eating it kind of noisily. We decided that might be better than uh, barking. <laughs> so. As Bilbo has become the topic of conversation in the Shire, and um, somebody who had a particularly attentive audience in Bilbo gossip was Old Ham Gamgee, commonly known as the Gaffer, and or Master Hamfest, and he would go to the Ivy Bush, which is a little pub on Bywater Road, and. Um, he spoke with some authority because he was the gardener at Bag End for 40 years. And he'd helped uh, old Holman in the same job before that. Now that he's getting older, um, the job passes on to his youngest son, Sam Gamgee. And they lived on the hill. There were, there were three residents on the, the hill that they lived below um, Bag End. 
on Bagshot Row. And this uh, Master Hamfast was considered an expert in the growing of vegetables, especially root vegetables and potatoes. And was considered as the leading authority by all in the neighborhood, including himself. And they're like, but what about this Frodo that lives with him? And Baggins is his name, but he's more than half a brandy buck, they say. Which, well, yes, considering his mom is a brandy buck. Right. And, oh, how could a Baggins have gone and looked for a wife away there in Buckland, where folks are so queer? See, they think the hobbits in Buckland are weird, and the hobbits in there probably think the hobbits from the Shire are weird, and that's just how it goes. And just more gossipy stuff. Um, now, the, the Buckland hobbits, much like the Tooks, they have a bit more of an adventuring reputation, and some of them even go on boats. I know, shocker, right? And of course, they, they live, you know, along the Brandywine River. And as we said in one of our podcasts, we actually live... Okay, not super close anymore to a Brandywine River. We're we're close to the Brandywine. And, you know, there it's really an area in Pennsylvania called the Brandywine. And yeah. Um I assume it's completely unrelated. Well, I'd like to think somebody was a Tolkien fan when they named it. I don't know. Don't know how long it's been named that. I don't either. Um, but so, I don't want my bubble burst. <laughs> so Frodo's parents were Drogo Baggins and Primula Brandybuck. Um, yeah, I know Drogo. Same name as Daenerys's husband. Um, maybe he got it from there. Oh, meaning maybe George R. R. got it from there, right? right. right <laughs> <obviously>. <laughs> um, so. There's Drogo and Primula. And, uh... She was Bilbo's first cousin on his mother's side, her mother being the youngest of the old Took daughters, and Drogo was his second cousin, so Frodo is his first and second cousin, once removed, either way, as they say. So... So, yes, they were... Bo- all in the family. <laughs> they were all in the family. Well, anyway, Frodo's parents went boating out on the Brandywine, and they both um, drowned, and there were rumors about it. They were like, oh, maybe Drogo ate too much and his weight sank the boat, uh, or maybe she, she pushed, pushed him, and then he pulled her in after. And... Um... Yeah, what the gaffer has to say to that is you shouldn't listen to all you hear... Sandy man, there isn't no call to go talking of pushing and pulling. Boats are quite tricky enough for those that sit still without looking further for the cause of trouble. Um, now I might suggest a, there is a certain fan theory out there that, well, there is a certain water-dwelling creature that famously... Hates forever the name Baggins and is searching for him. Um, 
I'm not saying that this happened, but it might have. Um, one of the rumors. Spoken or not spoken. By the internet. Um, right. <laughs> so Frodo was orphaned and he was quote-unquote stranded, as you might say, among those queer Bucklanders being brought up in Brandy Hall. Now, this Brandy Hall is this big, underground, practically warren of hobbit dwellings. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that works uh, structurally uh, with not having a cave-in, but it works. And there's generations of Brandy Bucks live there. So, Frodo went to live with Bilbo when Frodo was 21. And that was a shock for the, a nasty shock for the Sackville Bagginses because they were hoping they would get Bag End when Bilbo passes. And now with Frodo being made heir, they're, they're not going to get it now, or at least not, they don't think they will. Though they keep hoping. Um, meanwhile, on the occasions I did sh- go there, what Lobelia would steal the silver spoons. Yes. <laughs> and it, it, as you go on, that you find out that uh, they weren't the only things stealing things from Bag End. And there's more uh, gossip of the oh yeah he's got treasure in there. Um, which we've already talked about. Yeah. Hills, your hill is full of tunnels packed with chests of gold and silver and jewels, by what I've heard. Jewels being spelled J-O-O-L-S. Correct. And apparently, um, Sam Gamgee's hanging out there a lot and um, he's listening to a lot of Bilbo's stories, and Bilbo taught him to read, meaning no harm, mark you, and I hope no harm will come of it. Um, I get the impression that literacy isn't too much of a thing in the Shire. So Bilbo yeah. certainly could, since he was working on his book. Oh, and Bilbo has it in both Westron and Elvish. Um, Not that that necessarily meant a lot to the other hobbits around. Actually, how much did the others know about him writing? Probably not a great deal. Probably only those closest to him. Elves and dragons, I says to him. Cabbages and potatoes are better for me and you. Don't go getting mixed up in the business of your betters or you'll land in trouble too big for you, I says to him. And I might say it to others, he added with a look at the stranger in the miller. Yeah, everyone is um, getting even more convinced that there's treasure in there and... um, He's likely been adding more treasure, he's been visited by quote-unquote outlandish folks... Dwarves are coming at night, and the old wandering conjurer Gandalf. Bag End's a queer place, and its folk are queerer. 
So, yeah, you can... You get the picture. Bilbo is the topic of gossip. People think he's got treasure. People think he's weird for talking to dwarves and wizards. Weird for adventuring. Um, Frodo's weird for being going, related to It's been going Brandy on for Bucks. 60 years, but as the party grows closer, of course, the talk gets to be more and more, I think. Um, especially as uh, the planning stages of the party start, you know, coming to fruition and, uh, you know, it's, it's the big event. So, um, September goes on, somebody starts a rumor and it was apparently probably Sam Gamgee that there were going to be fireworks and the best fireworks that I've seen since uh, the old Took died. Um, an odd-looking wagon comes with odd-looking packages. And it was driven by, quote-unquote, outlandish folks singing strange songs. Dwarves. And another wagon, a cart came from Bywater from the direction of Brandywine Bridge. And it was driven by an old man with a tall-pointed blue hat, a long gray cloak, and a silver scarf, and he had a long white beard and bushy eyebrows that stuck out beyond the brim of his hat. And I think um, anybody who knows about Tolkien at all knows who that is. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm creeped by the eyebrows. The eyebrows thing. It's like my... Um, yeah, Tolkien has said it more than once, but it, my imagination just won't let that be a thing. Like, I don't think while I'm reading it, yeah, I'm picturing it, but I don't picture Gandalf having, um, more than normal human level of crazy bushy eyebrows. <laughs> I, I've seen some really bushy eyebrows. But <laughs> nobody like that. It's kind of not my favorite feature. <laughs> And uh, well, if you ever want to dress up as uh, Gandalf, uh, get some eyebrow extensions. Uh, well, that and you know, blue hat, point, tall pointed blue hat, long gray cloak, and a silver scarf. I mean, that oh, and uh, small costume. hobbit children are running after the cart, and there are fireworks in it, all sorts of fireworks, and they're labeled with a uh, red. G rune and an elf rune that also is a G. Oh, it's okay. I wondered about that elf rune. I've seen the elf rune before, but the other thing, well, yes, I've seen it here, but I haven't seen it anywhere else or like what language it's supposed to be from. But that's Gandalf's mark, and so. And he leaves it on things. And the Elfrun one, it, it sort of looks like a three-branched, uh... Sort of like a tree or a candlestick thing. Yeah. Uh, now, Gandalf was famous due to his skills with fires, smokes, and lights. At least famous in the Shire. And people in the Shire didn't know about... Uh, his more his real business which was far more difficult and dangerous uh, 
So to them, he was known as, you know... Oh, he comes, he does fireworks, and sometimes he uh, gets hobbits to go off and irresponsibly go adventuring. But, but you know... He he's was, the fireworks he just, guy. He was one of the attractions at, for the party. And I'm sure that the fireworks is, you know, magical, but I also think that to some degree... Hobbits have no idea what gunpowder is or how it works, and wizards do know, and... Like, I think that there's both science and magic at work with uh, the fireworks making. Mm. So, the children, they had certainly heard of uh, the fireworks. They knew them by sight. Uh, but the oldest of their elders had seen one of his fireworks display. Um, and this was probably at the old, old Took's, maybe, maybe it was at his funeral, do you think, or? I'm not sure, but it, it was from the legendary past, the fireworks were, so. I mean, yeah, putting it at, at the funeral would be unusual. Yeah. Um. Although, I guess it's whatever you want. Some people uh, party for funerals. You know, celebration of life. Well, it just said since the old Took died, well, I don't know whether it had anything to do with his dying or, or he just liked to have these when he was alive. Yeah. Before he died. But that's left to your imagination. And uh, inside Bag End, Bilbo and Gandalf, they're sitting at their open window in a little room. You can see out the window, and it's got red and golden flowers and snapdragons and sunflowers and nasturtiums. Spelled with an N, not nasturtiums. Nasturtiums, that's one of Tolkien's uh, little uh, spelling peculiarities. But is that a British spelling, perchance? I don't think so. Okay. Because it's one of those sticking points with the publisher, and I think this was a British publisher that had spelling sticking points with him, but mm-hmm. if I'm wrong... Uh... So, yeah, he's very fond of his garden and of all the shire, but he thinks he needs a holiday, so Gandalf is like, you mean to go on with your plan then? And yes, I've made up my mind months ago, I haven't changed it. And um, Gandalf says, well, it's not good saying anymore. You should stick to your plan, your whole plan. And I hope it turns out for the best for you and for all of us. But it, and he's like, I still mean to enjoy myself on Thursday and have my little joke. Who so will, this is Thursday, September 22nd. Who will laugh, I wonder, said Gandalf, shaking his head. We shall see, said Bilbo. So Gandalf seems less than approving of this planned uh, joke for reasons that we'll later see. Uh, more carts coming in, and some of this uh, stuff is bought locally. Um, Basically, he needed so much for this party, because he was feeding um, and entertaining people. Didn't from... he get, like, 144? Oh, that's just a special party at the dinner. Um, it's much more than 144 to... Uh, the main part of the partying, um, it's it's 
basically all the people in Hobbiton, a lot of people from outside the Shire, and even people from beyond. And um, Lots of invitations. The post office is basically taken up with these invitations. And they even are getting voluntary assistant postmen. Now they... He had had big tents put up. You know, pavilions. And one of them was big enough that it part of it had a tree underneath it I don't even know unless uh unless some kind of Gandalfly magic was involved. I have no idea how they could have rigged that uh, but this pavilion is where that hundred and forty four had their private dinner party um um Bilbo yeah he put the notice on bag end the famous no admittance except on party business that um Oh, you see it in the movie, you see it in memes. Um. And Bilbo remained hidden in Bag End, you know, busy, of course, but hidden in Bag End once Gandalf had arrived. Because, um, if you remember, part of um, Hobbit birthday celebrations is the birthday Hobbit is the one who's expected to give out presents instead of the other way around. Right. Which kind of adds a different dynamic to planning a birthday party. So, anyhow, this big pavilion uh, was, you know, in a field that was next to uh, Bag End and uh, Bagshot Row. And so the big pavilion had the tree at one end, and then uh, in the north corner of the field, there was an enormous open-air kitchen was erected. Cooks from every inn and eating house for miles around arrived to supplement the dwarves and other odd folk that were quartered at Bag End. Now, oh sorry. No, it's alright. Now, this is one of those times that Tolkien could have been more like George R. R. Martin or like Brian Jakes and actually gotten into some food descriptions and he didn't do it. This is a giant party with tons of cooks by a species known for loving food and eating six meals a day, and we don't know what delicious things they had. That's true. Though, I think he was more of, leave some of it to your own imagination. So I'm imagining a lot of... Like pleasant country fair with a few fancier things because it's a special occasion and you know they've brought in some stuff from elsewhere and anyhow um now the day before the party on Wednesday uh people were getting anxious and they had anxiety cuz uh it looked like it was, it was going to rain. Yeah, it was clouded over, and, you know, this is the eve of the party, and they're like, oh, you know, nobody likes their party rained on, unless they like rain. <laughs> but, uh, anyhow, that on Thursday the 22nd, the actual day of the party, when it dawned, the sun got up, the clouds vanished, 
and so flags were unfurled and the fun began. And it wasn't just a party, though Bilbo called it that. It was a variety of entertainments rolled into one. Practically everyone living near was invited. A few were overlooked by accident, but they showed up anyhow, and that didn't matter. You know, the first time I tried to read Lord of the Rings, I was about eight or nine, and I kind of bogged down in this uh, party discussion and didn't end up properly finishing the book until much later. Yeah. I don't actually remember exactly how many pages I got in, but... Well, this field, um, before the party, Bilbo had a gate erected so, you know, people could come through the gate to enter his, you know, party area. And he met them. Bilbo met his guests and additions at the gate in person, and he gave presents. Now, giving presents for your birthday is what people did, but he was probably giving better presents than would normally be given at a birthday. And, oh, he gave out presents for the children, and some of, and they were toys of which, the like of which he had never seen before, all beautiful and some obviously magical. And these had come from the mountain and from Dale and were made by the dwarves. I wonder what the magic tours did. I don't know. But, you know, these, many of them he had actually ordered a year before. So, but of course, when you order enough toys for the number of children that surely were there, that takes time. And I don't know how long it takes for an order to come through. I mean... Think of orders now when we've got airplanes and um, delivery trucks making things relatively fast. And and ships bringing it across the ocean. And it still may take months before you get your order if it comes and from somewhere. these are probably coming in the back of a pony cart. Right. Or like, on a pack mule or something. Yeah. And songs, dances, music, games... And, of course, food and drink. Um, None of these songs, dances, music, or games are gone into either. Now, they do go into... There were three official meals. Lunch, tea, and dinner, or supper. And lunch and tea were marked chiefly by the fact that all those... At those times, all the guests were sitting down and eating together. But... All the other times, there were merely lots of people eating and drinking. So it, they were continuously eating and drinking from 11sies until 6.30 when the fireworks started. And um, these fireworks, as we already discussed, these were designed by Gandalf. And um, they did apparently have some kind of magical component to them. And these were squibs, crackers, backer wrappers, sparklers, torches, dwarf candles, elf fountains, goblin barkers, and thunderclaps. So, since so they were all superb, and the art of Gandalf improved with age, well, I imagine it's he would improve on his craft over yeah. the years and like learn oh, about new things, new, new magic, new right. and. 
I don't with the dwarf candles, elf fountains, and goblin barkers. I don't know if that meant he like learned a design from them and like improved on it, made it his own. Uh, so they do get descriptive on some of the uh, the fireworks. Fireworks. A yes. flight of scintillating birds singing with sweet voices. Um, green trees with trunks of dark smoke and their leaves open like a whole spring and folding in a moment. Shining branches drop glowing flowers down upon the astonished hobbits, disappearing with a sweet scent just before they touched their upturned faces. Fountains of butterflies that flew glittering into the trees, pillars of colored fires that rose and turned into eagles or sailing ships, or a phalanx of flying swans, a red thunderstorm, a shower of yellow rain, a forest of silver spears that sprang suddenly into the air with a yell like an embattled army, and came down into the water with a hiss like a hundred hot snakes. And the last surprise, um, lights went out, a great smoke went up, and um, it shaped itself like a mountain seen in the distance, and it began to glow at the summer, and it sprouted green and scarlet flames. And out flew a red golden dragon, not life-size, but terribly lifelike when fire came from its jaws, and his eyes glared down, there was a roar, and he was three times over the heads of the crowd. And they all ducked, and many fell flat on their faces, and the dragon passed like an express train, turned a somersault, and burst over Bywater with a deafening explosion. Um, so that's even more impressive than what they showed in the movie, if you've seen it. Merry and Pippin getting into the fireworks tent and setting off the big one, big one, and it coming up as a dragon and swooping over everyone. And there's a similar scene in Harry Potter with Fred and George's fireworks made mm-hmm. a dragon. Although, yeah, Tolkien had it first. And, um, the Lord of the Rings movie had it first, too. Um... The most impressive firework I ever saw was actually in the 70s, 1970s, at the Boy Scout World Jamboree in Farragut State, Idaho, and they had the American flag, and it was really cool, and probably, you know, cutting edge for the 70s. But uh, anyhow, after this deafening explosion, uh, Bilbo announced, this is the signal for supper. And yeah, the the hobbits are, were really scared by this and they like, were like prostrate on the ground. They, they got up on their feet and uh, they had a splendid supper for everyone. But yes, there was a special family dinner party with 12 dozen invited. And so that's your 144. And it says this number was called by the hobbits one gross, but that word was not considered proper to use of people. Yeah, the word gross. But isn't now, there... that also is what Bilbo's age and his nephew's age you put those two ages together, 111 and, and I hadn't even is, thought of that. That's 144. And I don't know, isn't a gross, like, a measurement of, like, dry goods, like, bushels of fruit? Um, yeah. Well, I don't know about fruit, but, yeah. You can get a gross of something, depends on what it is. But a gross would be 144. 
and they were all from families to which uh, Bilbo and Frodo were related, and a few unrelated friends such as Gandalf, and there were a lot of young hobbits. And they were present by parental permission, for hobbits were easy going with their children in the matter of sitting up late, and especially if they could get free food, because um, raising young hobbits took a lot of provender, it says, and with the six meals a day and how many kids they have at once, I can... And how long they remain a kid. Yeah. So they may be home for a long time compared to what they are now. Well, maybe not compared to what they are now, because a lot of... Uh, people are staying home longer. Now, are those 20-something-girls, are they really regarded as children-children, or are they, like, well, I guess tweens, that would be... It's a tween. You're a tween until you reach 33, basically. Uh Uh-huh. And there were many bagginses and boffins, tooks and brandybucks, grubs related to Bilbo's grandmother, chubs... Um, related to his took grandfather, and burroses, bulgers, brace girdles, brockhouses, good bodies, hornblowers, and proudfoots. And some of them weren't were only very distantly connected with Bilbo and came from remote corners of the Shire. And yes, even the Sackville Bagginses were invited, Otho and Lobelia. They didn't like Bilbo. They detested Frodo. But they got such a magnificent invitation card written in gold ink that they had felt it was impossible to refuse. And they knew the food would be excellent. Right. Um, and after they had their feast, they Maybe were... it's another chance to steal some spoons. <laughs> going to have a... They figured they were going to have the dreaded after-dinner speech of their host, and he was going to drag in bits of poetry, and maybe if he drank a bit much, he might talk about his absurd adventures of his mysterious journey, which I'd love to hear. I mean, yeah. I have heard them, basically, but you know what but I mean. You, like, hear them from hear him? Hear them from him, yeah. Yeah. And... You know, they had their very pleasant feast. They had, and it was rich, abundant, varied, and prolonged. And yeah, for the ensuing weeks, there wasn't even a lot of food being bought, I guess. Um, yeah, it, it uh, depleted so much of stores and cellars and warehouses for miles around. But there were, I guess there were leftovers to bring home. And... Um, Not much, though. The speech. Um, <laughs> my dear people, and Bilbo's standing up for this uh, on his chair. Um, my dear Bagginses and Boffins, and my dear Tooks and Brandybucks, and Grubs and Chubs, and Burroughs and Hornblowers, and Bulgers, Brace Girdles, Good Bodies, Brockhouses, and Proudfoots, and um, a Proudfoot. Shouts up, proud feet. <laughs> Bilbo repeats, proud foots. Also, my good Sackville Bagginses, that I welcome back at last to Bag End. Today is my 111th birthday. I am 11-1 today. And he gets a lot of hooray, many happy returns. I hope you are all enjoying yourselves as much as I am. And they cheer and cry yes and no. And they blow their trumpets and... 
um, horns and other instruments. Um, and a lot of young hobbits had uh, opened like party crackers that were marked Dale that had instruments inside. Um, and Master Everard Took and Miss Melalot Brandybuck had gotten on a table with bells on their hands and they were dancing something called the Springle Ring. A pretty dance, but rather vigorous. Yes, all these details are being thrown in between bits of Bilbo's speech. Well, the young, younger ones had actually thought that, oh, he was probably done. Certainly he had said enough for them already. <laughs> um, and, uh, but he wasn't done. And he grabbed a horn from a younger nearby, and he blew three loud hoots. And the noise subsided. I shall not keep you long, and they cheer at that. I have called you all together for a purpose. Indeed, for three purposes. First of all, to tell you that I am immensely fond of you all, and that eleven-one years is too short a time to live among such excellent and admirable hobbits. Uh, more, more shouts of approval. I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. And there's a bit of clapping, but they're not sure whether they've been uh, insulted or not here. Um, like, they're trying to work out, is this a compliment or an insult? Yeah, it's uh, a bit of uh, passive-aggressive Bilbo humor, which uh, seems to be his thing. And so that was the first of the purposes. Secondly, Second. to celebrate my birthday, I should say our birthday, for it is, of course, also the birthday of my Aaron nephew, Frodo. He comes of age and into his inheritance today. And uh, he, Frodo gets some cheers, too, from the younger hobbits, but the sackful baggages aren't happy because inheritance was mentioned coming and not for them. It. Yes. Yeah. And they're not the ones coming into it. Together we score 144. Your numbers were chosen to fit this remarkable total. One gross, if I may use the expression, and no cheers at that. He said it, he called them one gross, like they were goods in a package. One gross indeed, vulgar expression. Sackville Baggins felt insulted because they felt like, okay, they were just asked to fill in the required number, like goods in a package. One gross indeed. Vulgar expression. Um, although I think he would have invited them to listen to his... Uh, and he had more for them later on, too. Right. So, um, it is also, if I may be allowed to refer to ancient history, the anniversary of my arrival by Beryl at Eskeroth on the Long Lake, that the fact that it was my birthday slipped my memory on that occasion. I was only 51 then. And birthdays did not seem so important. The banquet was very splendid, however, though I had a bad cold at the time. I remember and could only say, thank you very much. <laughs> I now repeat it more correctly. Thank you very much for coming to my little party. And at this point, they're like, no, he's going to sing or do some poetry. We don't want this. We're bored. But you know, they're just not saying this. They just they're... wanted him to stop talking. Thirdly and finally, I wish to make an announcement. I regret to announce that, though, as I said, eleven-one years is far too short a time to spend among you. This is the end. I am going. I am leaving now. Goodbye. And then he steps off the chair and vanishes. There's just a flash of light, and he's gone. 
And everybody is flabbergasted, speechless. Um, Proudfoot actually um, removed his feet from the table and stamped. Um, And first there's a silence, then all of these hobbits from all these families are talking at once. The joke is in bad taste. We need more food, more drink to... Um, cure our shock and annoyance. Uh, he's mad, I always said so. Um, even the Chooks thought he took it too far. But, you know, most of them thought it was just a ridiculous prank. Rory Brandybuck, he he was thinking, you know, he, he first is, he wasn't, the dinner had not clouded his wits, nor at his age. And he said to his daughter-in-law, Esmeralda, There's something fishy in this, my dear. I believe that Mad Baggins is off again. Silly old fool. But why worry? He hasn't taken the vittles with him. He called loudly to Frodo to send the wine around again. And Frodo said nothing. He just listened. Um, He enjoyed the joke, even though he knew it was going to happen. And um... Yeah, he was... In on the know. Or in the know. Um, but but he felt deeply troubled because, you know, he, he, you know, loved Bilbo dearly and, well, he's going away. And, and yeah, they're all continuing to eat and drink, but... Except for the sack full baggins. They had already <laughs> departed in wrath. Of course. And Frodo didn't want any more of the party, so he gave the orders for the wine to go around again, and he um, went and silently uh, drank one in uh, Bilbo's honor, and then he left too. And um, what Bilbo had done is, while he was making his speech, he had the ring on in his pocket, and he just put his hand into his pocket, put the ring on, and disappeared, and was never seen by any hobbit in Hobbiton again. What he had done was he actually had gone back to uh, Bag End, you know, with the ring on, and anyhow, uh, he took off his party clothes, folded them up, wrapped them in tissue paper, Uh, you know, he carefully put away his garments, and he put on old, untidy garments, fastened around his waist a worn leather belt. Now I'm begging to guess that these are about 60 years old, these garments and belt. Um, yes, I believe that this, uh, that this is the, um, the garments he wore on the adventure and the dwarf cloak from Dwalin. Um, it says it was patched and weather-stained, but the... The original color could hardly be guessed, but it might have been dark green. And the the outfit and hood that he had, uh, the cloak and hood that he had borrowed from Dwalin were that color. So I think... And he hung a small sword in a battered black leather scabbard. Um, yeah, it says they were kind of too big for him. They were Dwalins. Um, mm-hmm. And he also, he got a leather-bound manuscript and a large bulky envelope. And these he put into um, a heavy bag that was standing there, which was already nearly full. And he put the ring into the envelope and the chain that it was on. And he sealed it and addressed it to Frodo and put it on the mantelpiece. 
But then he just put it right back in his pocket. Now, one thing that we didn't mention regarding his clothing was uh, some of it was actually uh, the cloak and hood were actually in a locked drawer with mothballs. Now, I'd like not to think of mothballs, you know, in this. And if anybody who has any acquaintance with mothballs, they stink. They stink. And so he's putting on stinky mothball cloak, <laughs> and it's gonna it's gonna smell for some time to come. You know, it takes a long time to air out from that. So I I just had to interject the mothballs. And Gandalf comes in, and um, Bilbo was uh, apparently expecting him, and um, Gandalf just says, I'm glad to find you visible, I wanted to catch you, have final words, and he supposes you feel everything has gone off splendidly and according to plan, and Bilbo's like, yes, I do, but the flash was surprising, it startled me, um, was this an edition of yours, I suppose? And, well, yeah, Gandalf had added that flash to make um, the guests have something um, else to explain his suddenly vanishing. Right. And he's like, that would spoil my joke. You're an interfering old busybody. Now, to me, given the suspicions that Gandalf is going to have about the ring, which we'll go into later, mm-hmm. um, and if you're familiar with this story already, uh, you know where that ring is from. It's kind of surprising that Gandalf was willing to magically mess with it at all, or even um, that he even could tamper with it. Well, you probably all remember how Gollum was. At what, you know, he went from being a hobbit to. Or close enough to being a weird, emaciated frogman that. Yeah, and this came from possessing the ring for so long. So how could how could Gandalf even have any magic that would um, affect the ring in any way and be willing to mess with it? He's afraid of being tempted by it himself. We're going to go into that later in, I think, the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the magic wasn't on the ring, but was on Bilbo. Like, oh, as soon as Bilbo disappears, I'm gonna make it look like he has a flash. Uh, I, I don't know. It just seems odd. That... Well, maybe Gandalf had a firework thing put there that he could somehow get going. I, I don't know. Well, more leaving it to your imagination how that came about, but and he, Bilbo's like I expect you know best as usual, and Gandalf's like yes I I do when I know anything, but he's not sure about this whole affair, and. You've had the joke, you've alarmed or offended most of your relatives, you've given the whole Shire something to talk about for nine days or 99 more. Now, are you going to go any further? And Bilbo says he wants a holiday, he wants a long holiday, probably a permanent holiday. 
and he doesn't expect he's going to come back. So he wants to go off adventuring again and just leave back end permanently. He wants to see the mountains. He wants to see the mountains, and he's uh, he feels old. Like, he's well-preserved indeed, but he feels thin, sort of stretched, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. Um... And yeah, that that feels that can't be right, and he needs a change. And um, Gandalf agrees that his plan is a good one. Yeah, yeah, he wants to see the mountains. He wants peace and quiet. Doesn't want all his relatives around. Uh, yeah, how much peace and quiet did he have on his last adventure? Not much. Yeah, not much. And you know. He'd like to find a place where he can finish his book. And he wants the ending of it to be, and he lived happily ever after to the end of his days. And uh, Gandalf hopes that he will, but he doesn't think anyone's going to read this book, however it ends. But he's like, no, they might. And Frodo said some al- has read some already, and you know, you'll keep an eye on Frodo, won't you? Yes, I will. Two eyes as often as I can spare them. And uh, Frodo would like to come with him, or he would come with him if he asked. Um, and he offered two ones. But he actually doesn't really want to yet. And um, But he wants to see wild country before he dies and the mountains, but Frodo still loves the Shire with its woods and its fields and its little rivers. Uh, me, I, I would love both. Um, Anyhow, so Bilbo's leaving. The Shire is wild country compared to um, pretty much anywhere I've lived. Um, And so, you know, he's Bilbo's leaving everything to Frodo with, um, of course, you know, a few oddments and. He hopes he's going to be happy, and he'll get used to being on his own, and he's his own master now. He's 33, so he's he's an adult. And uh, Gandalf's kind of pressing on him the ring, too, right? We agreed to take the ring, and um, Bilbo's like, yeah, I suppose so. Well, where is it? It's on the mantelpiece, but he's like, no, it's here in my pocket. Yeah. And um, Gandalf is suggesting, uh, you should leave that behind. Uh, Don't you want to leave that behind? And Bilbo realizes he doesn't quite want to leave it behind, but he does. Um, So the ring, he's, he's attached to it. And, you know, even if there wasn't anything malevolent about it, I mean, I'd want to keep my disappearing ring. Um... But, you know, as you can see, the ring actually does have a sort of addictive quality to uh, the person who keeps it too long. And Bilbo's like, you're always badgering me about my ring, but you never bothered me about the other things that I got on my journey. But, of course, that ring isn't like just everything else. And, yes, Gandalf points out magic rings are, well, magical. They're rare and curious. So he's professionally interested in it, uh, being a wizard. And he wants to know where it is if he goes adventuring again. And he thinks uh, Bilbo's had it quite long enough. And uh, isn't going to need it anymore. And uh, 
Well, once again, me, if I was to go off adventuring with all these, uh, things he encountered on his last adventure, I'd want my magic ring. Oh, I would too. Um... So, Bilbo uh, has a sudden anger, and his kindly face grew hard, and he's like, Why not? What business is it of yours? What to do with my own things? It is my own. I found it. It came to me. And Gandalf, there's no need for you to be angry about this. Yeah, he's trying to calm him down. And If I am, it is your fault. It is mine, I tell you. My own. My precious. Yes, my precious. Oh, we all know who called it precious before. And um, Gandalf is, you know, disturbed by Bilbo using that word. And yes, Precious is capitalized in the book. Anyhow, uh, Bilbo says, but I say it now. And why not? Even if Gollum said it the same once, it's not his now, but mine. And I shall keep it, I say. And Gandalf stood up, and he looks very stern, and he spoke. You will be a fool if you do, Bilbo, he said. You you make that clearer with every word you say. It has got far too much hold on you. Let it go, and then you can go yourself and be free. And Bilbo says, I'm going to do go... I'll do as I choose and go as I please. And um, Gandalf says, My dear Hobbit, your long life, we've been friends, you owe me something. Do as you promised, give it up. And Bilbo says, You want the ring yourself, and you won't give it, I won't give my precious away. And he actually reached for his sword. And Gandalf's eyes flashed. It will be my turn to get angry soon. And um, if you say that again, I shall. You'll see Gandalf the Grey uncloaked. And he took a step toward Bilbo, and he suddenly seemed very tall and menacing, and his shadow filled the little room. So uh, you can see he's kind of using some sort of magic here, I think. Um, And you may have seen how that was portrayed on the film. Like, yeah. yeah. And um, Bilbo backed away, just grabbing at his pocket, and they, they looked at each other for a while, very tense, but um, he relaxed, began to tremble, and he says, I don't know what has come over you, Gandalf. And it is mine, I found it, and Gollum would have killed me if I hadn't kept it, and I'm not a thief, whatever he said. And Gandalf says, I never called you one, I'm not one either. I am not trying to rob you, but to help you. And I wish you would trust me as you used to. And he turned away and he doesn't have the shadow um, anymore. He just seems like an old um, gray bent over man. And if you hear a weird noise in the background, the dog is having a little dream. Uh, and uh, Bilbo uh, realizes what, he, what he'd been doing and... He says he's sorry, and he felt so queer, and um, it would be a relief not to be bothered with it anymore. It's been growing on his mind, and it feels like an eye looking at him, and he always wants to put it on and disappear, and he's always worrying about it being safe. He tried locking it up, but he uh, 
couldn't rest unless it was in his pocket, and he doesn't know why, and he can't make up his mind. And Gandalf says, oh, trust him, and his mind's made up. Just go away, leave it behind, and stop possessing it, and give it to Frodo, and, you know, Gandalf will look after him. And, uh, he agrees, all right, and, um, apparently this whole party and giving away lots of presents, this was to make it easier for him to give away the ring. Oh, it's just another present. And in the end, it, it didn't make it easier. Yeah. And Gandalf's like, not doing this would take away the only point he ever saw in the affair. Okay, Gant. Wait, is he talking about the party, or is he talking about the joke? The joke? Yeah. Um. You would quite spoil the joke, too. Um. Yeah, I think it was the joke that Gandalf was saying yeah. that was the only point in. Right. I don't think he's a stick in the mud about hobbit parties. Uh. So, yes, it will go to Frodo... And he picks up his bag and goes to the door. You've still got the ring in your pocket. Well, uh, so I have, said Bilbo. And the will and all the other documents. And um, you'd better take it and deliver it to me. And Gendel's like, no, don't give the ring to me. Put it on the mantelpiece. And it's, it'll be safe there until Frodo comes. He'll wait for him. Gandalf doesn't even want to handle it. Which is... How I said I thought it was weird that Gandalf seemed to have uh, tampered with it magically at all to make that flash. Gandalf is scared of it. Yeah. But Bilbo goes to put it on the mantle, his hand jerked back, and it falls, the packet falls to the floor. And uh, Gandalf swoops and seizes it and sets it in place. And so he's not actually touching the ring, he's touching the package. Yeah. And, uh, Bilbo gets his favorite stick and, um, whistles and three dwarfs came out of different rooms and, um, everything's ready, everything's packed and labeled and what fun to be off again, off on the road with dwarves, goodbye, goodbye, Gandalf. And... Now it's nighttime, and uh, you know it's a black sky dotted with stars. And he he sings his uh, he sings his road song, um, d- different than his last time, um, in the in the Hobbit. This time it goes the road goes ever on and on down from the road where it began. Now far ahead the road is gone. And I must follow, if I can, pursuing it with eager feet until it joins some larger way where many paths and errands meet, and whether then I cannot say. Then he turns away from the lights, and uh, the voices in the fields intense, and he's followed by his three companions. They went around into his garden, trotted down the long sloping path, he jumped over a low place in the hedge at the bottom and took to the meadows, passing into the night like a rustle of wind in the grass. And Gandalf remained for a while, staring at him into the darkness, staring after him into the darkness. Goodbye, my dear Bilbo. 
until our next meeting, he said softly and went back indoors. And Frodo came in afterwards and um, just asked, has he gone? And um, uh, Gandalf confirms that he's gone. He's gone at last. And Frodo had hoped that it was only a joke that he wasn't really going to leave even though he knew in his heart that he was and he joked about serious things before and he had wished that he had gotten back to Bag End sooner so he could see Bilbo off I mean I would have yeah but um yeah, Gandalf says he'll he'll be all right now, and he left a packet for you. There it is. Um, you're the you'll find there's the envelope. You'll find his will, the other documents in it. You're the master of bag and now and um, also I fancy you'll find a golden ring. Um, the ring has he left me that? I wonder why. Still, it may be useful. It may or it may not. I shouldn't make use of it if I were you. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. I'm going to bed. Um, so Frodo had to um, say goodbye to the guests and send them off. Um, and they left with more uh, rumors of Bilbo's actions and um, how strange he is. And midnight carriages came for the important folks and um, gardeners came and they removed it and, um, the wheelbarrows, those that had been inadvertently remained behind. Why were they removed in wheelbarrows? Maybe what, were they drunk? Maybe too much drink and food. And the lateness of the hour, they were, like, passed out and... On the next day, um, hobbits got up kind of late. Um, lots of clearing away of stuff and... Tables and spoons and knives and Pavilions, all that stuff. Lanterns. Cracker paper. Uneaten food. Apparently not much of that. Though well, maybe some of it had gone home in containers the night before. And a large crowd of... Um, you know, Hobbit distant relations came to beg, and uninvited but not unexpected, Bilbo meets them at the step. A Bilbo? No, sorry, Frodo. Yeah, Bilbo's gone now. Bilbo is gone. And, yeah, he answers their inquiries. Yes, Bilbo has gone, as far as he knows, for good. And Bilbo had left messages for some of them, and these were a bunch of uh, birth birthday presents he was giving away with kind of passive-aggressive humor meanings. Um, for Adelard Took, um, for his very own, from Bilbo, and it was an umbrella because Adelard had carried off, um, a lot of unlabeled umbrellas. So, Adelard is an umbrella thief. Now, here's your own Adelard. I don't think it's gonna stop him. If he has carried off many umbrellas, he he loses them, he forgets about them, maybe he likes collecting umbrellas. Uh. Right. For Dora Baggins, in memory of a long correspondence with love from Bilbo, and it was a 
large uh, waste paper basket because um, Dora Baggins, Drogo's sister, um, and she was his eldest surviving female relative and was 99 and she had written reams of good advice for more than half a century and I think that means like no one likes your advice Dora um here's a waste paper basket um from Milo Burroughs hoping it will be useful and it's a uh, gold pen and ink bottle because Milo never answers letters for Angelica's use from Uncle Bilbo and it's a round convex mirror she was a young bag and the two obviously consider her face shapely so she's vain, and um, if I'm right about things, the convex mirror, it it distorts your face and makes it look, like, bigger and, um, for the collection of Hugo Bracegirdle from a contributor, and it's an empty bookcase because Hugo borrows books and, um, doesn't tend to give them back. For Lobelia Sackville Baggins as a present, and it's a case of silver spoons, because a lot of his spoons had disappeared while uh, he was gone. And Lobelia understood what that meant at once, but she also took the spoons. Yeah. And there was also a small selection of assembled presents. Um... Hobbit holes uh, could get cluttered up from the custom of giving so many birthday presents. And some of these were old and they just got keep giving and passing around the old uh, birthday presents. And these were called mathems. But Bilbo usually um, gave away new presents and kept those that he received. So the the hobbit hole was being cleared up some. Everything had to be labeled. Had labels from Bilbo. Um, yeah. Bilbo remembered some of the poorer hobbits, especially those on Bagshot Row. Old Gaffer Gamgee got two sacks of potatoes, a new spade, a wooden waistcoat, and a bottle of ointment for creaking joints. Old Rory Brandybuck, in return for much hospitality, got a dozen bottles of Old Winyard. A strong red wine from the South Farthing, and it was quite mature because it had been uh, laid down by Bilbo's father in his time. And Rory um, forgave Bilbo for um, you know, any offense during the party and voted him a capital fellow after he drank the first bottle. <laughs> And there was plenty still left for Frodo and um, the chief treasures, books, pictures, enough furniture. But there there wasn't any uh, sign of money or jewelry being given away. Right. And a rumor had already gone around that the whole bag end stuff was being given away for free and that had gone around and Frodo had a hard time dispelling that, and um, labels were messed up, and uh, they were quarreling, and people were trying to swap and deal presents right in the hall. The road to the gate was blocked with so many barrels and carts. The Sackville Bagginses showed up, 
And Frodo had already gone to take a rest and left to his friend Mary Brandybuck to keep an eye. And um, he tells Otho uh, Sackville Bag and says, He's indisposed, he's resting, and Lobelia's no hiding, you mean. And we want to see him, we mean to see him, go and tell him. And Mary left them in the hall where they found their uh, spoons. spoons, yes. And uh, that made them angrier, even though they kept them. They were taken into the study where Frodo was, and he did look indisposed, and he stood up uh, fidgeting with something in his pocket. So I think uh, that's the ring. Yes, Yeah, that's the ring. Um, and the Sackville Bagginses, they tried to make bad bargain prices for various, like, valuable things that weren't labeled and weren't being given away. And, uh, had, you know, bad grace about it. And they think that Frodo's doing uh, too well out of it, and they want to see the will. And... Yeah, Otho would have been Bilbo's heir if he hadn't adopted Frodo. And I think, I mean, yes, he did adopt Frodo out of the goodness of his heart, but I think he also didn't want it to pass to Otho. Right. And, yeah, they got out the will, read it carefully, but it was clear, correct, and it had all the legal customs, which mean included seven signatures of witnesses in red ink for Hobbit custom. Um, foiled again after waiting 60 years. Spoons, fiddlesticks. <laughs> yeah. uh, snaps his fingers right under Frodo's nose and leaves, but Lobelia was harder to get rid of. And found her, like, looking around and tapping on the floor. I think she's looking for treasure. Um, escorts her off and relieves Except, her. Yeah, yeah I was very... <laughs> Several small but rather valuable articles that had somehow fallen inside her umbrella. All right, I think, yeah, hobbits are mostly, you know, very innocent of, like, any kind of genuine evil, but they've got this pettiness going. Yeah. And apparently uh, some of them aren't above some uh, petty larceny. So as she was leaving, though she really wanted to have a really crushing parting remark, she she does say, You'll live to regret this, young fellow. Why didn't you go too? You don't belong here. You're not a Baggins. You, you're you a brandy, brandy bag. Uh, did you hear that, Mary? That was an insult, if you like, says Frodo as he shuts the door on her. Um, see, Mary is a brandy buck. But Mary says, It was a compliment. And so, of course, not true. Um, sends off three more young hobbits, uh, two boffins and a bulger, who are knocking holes in the walls of one of the cellars looking for treasure. And um, a tussle with young Sancho Proudfoot, um, grandson of Odo Proudfoot, who was, you know, saying, it's no, it's proud feet. And he'd been excavating in the larger pantry because he thought he heard an echo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone thinks there's gold in there. 
um, got Sancho to leave, I, th- I think, by physically removing him. It's time to close the shop, Mary, and lock the door, and don't open it even if they bring a battering ram, and he just went to go and get himself a cup of tea and, like, not deal with any more of this. And then the next thing you hear is there's a soft knock at like, the door. No, it's not Lobelia, is it? Uh, Lobelia, and again, most likely, and she's probably just thought of something really nasty and has to come back and say it. And he just keeps drinking his tea, not going to deal with Lobelia. Uh, keeps knocking, and um, Gandalf's head appears at the window. So, so much for that. And he says, if you don't let me in, Frodo, I shall blow your door right down your hole and out through the hill. And he could probably do that. Um, and he does let Gandalf in, saying, I thought you were Lobelia. Um, and then I forgive you. I saw her some time ago driving a pony trap towards Bywater with a face that would have curdled new milk. Oh, a pony trap. That is a small cart. Um, pulled by a pony. Um. And Frodo says, uh, she had already nearly curdled me. Honestly, I nearly tried on Bilbo's ring. I longed to disappear. Don't do that, says Gandalf. Do be careful of that ring, and that's, um... Partly about that, he wants to say a last word. And he's like, what about it? What do you know already? Only what Bilbo said, and he's heard the story, and how he used it on the journey. And uh, Gandalf says, which story, I wonder? And, oh, not what he told the dwarves and put in this book, but the true story after he came to live there. Now, we've already talked about the discrepancy between... Mm -hmm. um, There was the original published Hobbit, where... Um, Gollum gave the ring willingly because, you know, he lost the riddle game. And the current published version, which is the only one you can easily find, where, you know, he found it, took it. Um, Gollum says, Thief Baggins, we hate it forever. That version, yes. Right. And... Um, Gandalf says, you know, odd things may happen to people that have such treasures if they use them. Be a warning, be very careful with it. And you may have, it may have other powers than just making you disappear when you want to. And Frodo doesn't understand this, and Gandalf, you know, says he doesn't understand it either. But he's begun to wonder about the ring, especially since last night. Um, no need to worry, baloney. Um... Just use it very seldom or not at all. Yeah, Gandalf is not being exactly truthful here. I mean, yes, Gandalf doesn't know the whole of what it is, but he already knows it's affecting Bilbo really weird, and he says no need to worry. Yeah. I think he knows better than that. Um, don't... Don't use it to in don't do anything with it that could cause talk or suspicion. Keep it safe, keep it secret. Um, Frodo asks what he's afraid of, and Gandalf just says he's not certain and he won't say any more. And he is going off at once, so this is goodbye for the present. All at once, uh, I thought you were staying for at least a week. I was uh, looking forward to your help, and yeah, he did mean to, but. He has to go away for a good while, but he'll come and see again as soon as he can. And 
He says, expect me when you see me. I shall slip in quietly. He shan't often be visiting the Shire openly again. He finds that he's become rather unpopular. They say I'm a nuisance and a disturber of the peace. Some people are actually accusing me of spiriting Bilbo away, or worse. If you want to know, there's supposed to be a plot between you and me to get a hold of his wealth. Why ever might they suspect he'd spirit Bilbo away? I'm, I mean, because he, he did that before, yeah. kind of. And yeah, Frodo's like, some people you mean it's Otho and Lobelia, it's the Sackville Bagginses. Right. And he'd give them Bag End everything else if he could just get Bilbo back and go off tramping in the country with him. But, And he loves the Shire, but he's starting to wish he'd gone too and wonder if he'd um, ever see him again. Yeah. And Gandalf wonders that too, but he wonders many other things. Um, Goodbye now, take care of yourself, look out for me, especially at unlikely times. Goodbye. Frodo saw him to the door and he just waved and walked off at a surprising pace and but Frodo thought that the um wizard looked unusually bent as if he was carrying a great weight so he looks old and bent but he's walking at a surprising pace yeah and he's leaving his cart that had the fireworks behind yeah oh i don't know to what degree he has any um permanent cart or riding horse. But um, he may be walking off and going to where the cart and horse is. Anyhow, his cloaked figure quickly vanished into the twilight and Frodo did not see him again for a long time. Um, and that uh, the chapter ends, the next chapter being um, the shadow of the past. Um, do you have anything in particular else to say about this um, long, a long-expected party? Well, a lot happened. I mean, it, this is a fairly long chapter, page-wise. Uh, but, you know, it it was basically the birthday party disappearance chapter. Um I think he covered it really well. He, uh, yeah, I would like to have heard more about, you know, the feasting because we love to do Hobbit Day, which is what we celebrate on the 22nd, uh, Hobbit Day uh, feasts. Uh, and they didn't go into that. Which we do up kind of bigger than some of our own birthdays. Yeah. Um... We get the general idea of what hobbits would like because of the contents of Bilbo's pantry when the dwarves visited him. And right. we get the idea it's, you know, Victorian country farm, you know, fair. And we have an idea of what kind of things that would we be. Know but potatoes were a, a thing, uh, not just for the birthday, but for lots of times. Uh, and... Yeah, if if you imagine what a country farm family might have, uh, where you you're putting up your own uh, supplies, uh, for the most part, uh, that's the kind of thing they would have. Um, I will mention 
Alright, I guess they don't really getting into the really weird stuff yet, but um in earlier drafts of um Lord of the Rings, um Frodo was Bingo Bulger Baggins. And it's like the the story at that point anyway is similar, but um, Binko has a bit more of an edge to him than Frodo does in ways that I'll bring up in the relevant chapters. Mm-hmm. And um, Binko was named after, um, well, most likely anyway, Tolkien's uh, son, Christopher, had um, a little toy koala bear um, called the Bears the Bingos, um, which... Um, how Christopher would play with them apparently involved religious extremism and explosions, whatever that means. Yeah. And so Bingo was named after this toy koala bear that his son would play with. Mm. And is kind of a edgier Frodo yeah. in some ways. Well, I think this was a good coverage of the chapter, and I look forward to uh, the next reading one. and podcasting the next chapter. I, I have read this, but it's been a long time since uh, reading them. Um, this is stuff my mother would read to me as a little girl. Uh you know, this was bedtime story type material. And I read the entire trilogy for the first time at 13. Yeah. And I've you know, read it a bunch of times since. Um, maybe not as many as you might think because there's a lot of other books I love and um, reading all three at once is a long uh, undertaking. But um, I yes, always will we, read these. I, we are lovers of books. We have many, 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 many bookcases and books that we... We can't even fit in bookcases, so uh, that's something uh, that we have in common, and hopefully we instill the love of books and reading with others as well. Um, thank you for listening to Cast Into the Fire podcast. Um, please follow our Facebook, join our group, um, follow us on Apple Podcasts, and we would love any feedback. Um, you can message us on Facebook or leave a review on Apple Podcast or um tell others about us. Yeah. Um just yeah. We would love to hear from you. Um I admin a Tolkien fan group called Merry Band of Dwarves Tolkien Fan Group. Um feel free to join that. Um I try to have it be a a pleasant group for fans to be in. We admin the Redwall fan group. Um, that will be red wall with three exclamation marks at the end. That's that's where we admin. Um, so if you like red wall, uh, want to check that out, um, feel free. Um, thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire podcast, and have a good evening. Good night.